Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones, and this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Hey, everybody, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones. My uh, little buddy. <laughs> <laughs> All right there, Hoss. Actually, there, little feller. I called you little you, buddy you, you, in the interview that I did with Chris Langham because uh, it reminded me of uh, Gilligan and Skipper. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Which, I'll, I'll, I'll settle on being little Joe. You can be Hoss. The, it, the only uh, correlation between the Skipper and, and Gilligan is size. <laughs> That's it. Except... Well, hey. Little Joe and Haas, man, same again. You know, we're we're on to something here. <laughs> I I don't really I don't I don't even remember who Little Joe was. I remember Haas. But you have to know when you when you start calling me things that involve the term little, my short man syndrome oh. kicks in. And and as Haas would say, well, he got about as fired up as a polecat in water. <laughs> <laughs> Starts getting me a little bit aggressive and punchy. So you know. <laughs> That might come in in handy, you know. You'll know what button to push on the right day. Actually, man, I I I'd really that'd be fun to watch you get in a fight. I mean, you know, in a purely oh, you know, uh, yeah purely MMA stance, you know, not in real life. But <laughs> no, dude, when 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 I get there, unfortunately, it's uh, I'm past all thinking, and it, and it usually has to do with one of my girls. So I would make a lousy pacifist. I I can tell you, one of my buddies in college was uh, five six. I think he, you know, he had to get in that half inch. He's like, I'm five six and a half. But um, <laughs> what's wrong with that? Yeah, I, I, I'm I, five seven and a half. The half counts, the, man. The half counts. <laughs> But he was uh, he was a Navy SEAL, and he had just come off active duty, and you know he was going to college at of all places Biola, and uh, I actually saw him get in a fight one night, and it was like really cool to watch because <laughs> it was like this little guy is just tearing apart this big huge dude. It was really funny. I'm That's sorry, awesome. is, is that really bad? Well, Should that not be on the Church Planner podcast? No, hey, anything goes on the Church Planner podcast, man. Here's here's the deal. Speaking of fighting, right? Um, we, uh, we got some, some fighting words today. That's going to kind of be our, our theme because, uh, 
uh, as you know, uh, I've got right now, I, I train church planners uh, with New Breed Church Planning, and I've got um, a guy who's been serving with me really as, as my, uh, I can't say the Robin to my Batman, maybe Nightwing, uh, may, may, maybe, uh, maybe Superman to my Batman, but basically he's been my wingman. His name's Charlie, and uh, he's one of the guys that's been training up to church plan. He is incidentally planning out in La Mirada. Uh, coming up this year, so you guys can pray for him. He's they actually just be, started uh, last Sunday. Last Sunday was their first meeting. Yeah, his first core team meeting, and uh, went awesome. And uh, you know, and and for me, like that's that's always like the the highlight of when you've been working with a guy for a few years, and he's ready to go out. Um, so you know, it's good times for me. But funny enough, Charlie's always had a cracking sense of humor, and and, and in this gig, you got to laugh a lot. And we got an email. Um, you know, again, keeping on that theme about fighting. And uh, we, we got an email about a guy who, you know, he. this is how Charlie sends it to me. Um, it says, somebody didn't love our church as much as we do. And, and it was funny because someone emailed our church website. And, uh, and, I, and, and I love Charlie's sense of humor. Um, but when I read it, it made me mad. And so uh, what we're going to do today is we're going to talk about uh, different uh, ways in which you know pe- people write in or make you mad or you get you, you get criticism. We'll have a much better podcast to talk about dealing with criticism, although we'll we'll hit on that. But really, what we want to talk about today is is you know keeping your focus uh, when people are trying to take you away from that focus. Because what people do is they'll uh, they'll kind of you know come at you from from all different angles, particularly when you're church planning. Um, and they'll want to set the agenda for you. And so, you know, in, in future, what Pete and I are going to do is we're going to go through and we're going to talk about, um, you know, step by step, how do you plan a church? That's one of the things we want to do on the Church Planner podcast is kind of go through all of the checklist, all the things that you need to know, ways that you need to think, uh, things you need to prep for, uh, you know, ways you need to arm yourself for, for battle in the, in the coming onslaught. Uh, spiritually, but but sometimes you know you just take friendly fire, and and the danger of when people come in and telling you, hey, you suck in this area, or you know this this is something that that uh, you need to do is often people come to a church plant and they see it as weak and vulnerable, and maybe in a more established context they haven't been able to push their agenda through, and they've been sidelined or simply ignored, and then they come to this small little tight knit group. And, you know, it's kind of like when you watch the old Warner Brothers cartoon, hey, man, it's, it's rabbit season, you know. Um, you know, I, I want to shoot rabbits. And in a church plant, you know, it's fill in the blank. It's, it's duck season, rabbit season, porky pig season, whatever. They will always think it's the place to push their agenda. It's going to be whatever season they want it to be. And so, you know, here, here's the email. Here's the body of the email. I attended your church today. I find it would be a whole lot better for the message to match the actions of the people. A lot was said from the pulpit of how friendly this new church is, but my experience is less than that. I spoke with one person total, and I approached him. I passed several of your pastors entering and exiting, along with dozens of other people, and not one person initiated conversation with me. I have been a believer for over 50 years, and I have been a non-believer and a first-time visitor. Oh, sorry. No, I, I misread that. And had I been a non-believer and a first-time visitor, it would have been my last time visiting. I pray this was just a bad day at refuge and is not the rule. 
but rather the exception. Fun. <laughs> Good stuff, huh? <laughs> Woo-hoo! So, so what was funny is that, you know, of course, uh, you know, Char- Charlie's laughing about it, but I got mad. Um, I looked, I looked at the email. I hadn't even left church yet. I looked at the email and I saw the name and I went around to all the people I didn't know. I was like, Hey, I'm Peyton. What's your name? And I was hoping to find this guy. I was just waiting for someone to say, my name is such and such. And, uh, and he didn't cause I wanted to talk to him right then. Like I was, I was ticked off and, uh, and, and I was going to rebuke him, you know, and, and I've learned like kind of over the years, don't deal with stuff right then on the day. Um, give it, give it a little bit of time. So again, we're talking about that short man syndrome. Oh yeah. It came out well, and it wasn't. Yeah, I, go ahead. I, I, well, I was just gonna say, I was in the car when I think you read it to Andrea cause we were driving somewhere coming back from the baptism or something. What were we doing? Cause I heard it. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. It was the baptism day. Wasn't it? <laughs> it was actually. So there was a lot of people we didn't recognize. There was tons. We were doing a, an outreach uh, barbecue in the park afterwards, going back to Bixby, kind of legendary, some of the outreach, and that was an awesome time. And then we had a baptism. So we, uh, uh, a guy who had gotten saved fu- funny enough on the night that Church Zero launched, he got, he got saved at the book launch. So that was kind of cool, him and his buddy both. But he wanted to get baptized. He did not want to wait. And, uh, so we were doing that. So there was a lot going on, you know, plus we were serving breakfast that morning, uh, at the church. So there was tons. So, I mean, you know, I'll, I'll go through kind of what my, my gut reaction was, and then we can talk about it, how to deal with it. Well, I'll tell you what my reaction was first, because I was listening to it in the car as you were reading it to Andrea. And my first reaction was I got defensive. So I, I was like the opposite of you and apparently the opposite of Charlie too. So I was like, well, you know, I don't like meeting people, you know and I'm thinking? And, and then I, I'm going through a, a moment of shame, you know, maybe I just need to get over myself and, and, you know, just, you know, bite the bullet and meet people and, you know, the things that I'm totally uncomfortable doing, you know, that, that's, that was my reaction when I, I had that was just the shame. Oh, okay. Pete, you should have played at a, a higher level. You know better. Yeah, absolutely. And and so here's here's kind of the thing is that um, th- that's exactly what I was thinking. Fifty years as a believer, you know, you ought to have been um, approaching people. That was my that that's what I was going to tell them. Just go up to them and say, "Hey, so and so," and then and then just say, "Hey, I got your email." And you know, I'm I'm actually. If, if I were you, um, I'd actually be, you know, ashamed of 50 years of believer. You ought to be seeking other people out, not coming in expecting that everybody is going to serve you. And so, you know, I, that's how I was. I was all cheesed off. And then I gave it like 24 hours and then I cooled down a bit. But um, but but I'll tell you the, the first thing the the reaction that kicked off of me wasn't the defensiveness for me. What it was for me is is more of a shepherd thing, and this has kind of happened. Um, and, and you'll notice this happens with church plants. When it happens in a big church, nobody notices, but when it happens in a church plant, it can demoralize your team. And I've kind of learned over the years when I got people in a church plant situation, and they're pouring themselves out for that church. They could be in another church that's giving them goodies, and you know um, they're getting all kinds of kudos for it. And when they're in a church plant, man, they are just there because the love of Christ compels them. 
And so there's this kind of shepherd bone that, that gets picked in me when, uh, and, and it gets my back up. I, I, I start feeling a little bit more like a shepherd, kind of like when Jesus uh, was picked on, or, or at least his disciples were picked on, you know, when the Pharisees came and said, hey, how come your uh, disciples don't observe the laws of Moses, you know, the, the traditions of the fathers, and don't wash your hands before they eat? And Jesus just whacks them. He just lets them have it. He goes, you know what, you nullify the, the commands of God for the traditions of men. And, uh, and, and, and so that, that's kind of what was going on with me is I, I wanted to whack the guy, but not because he offended me, but because I felt, felt the sheep were being attacked. I felt like these guys were, um, you know, these guys, and I know they're pouring their blood, sweat, and tears, that a, a guy was just standing on the sidelines like a Pharisee, not willing to lift a finger, but to sit back and to criticize these guys that I watch week after week pouring blood, sweat, and tears into that place and anyone who walks through the door, you know, if they, if they need hours of counseling, you know, at Bonomo be there chatting with them, you know, Charlie will uh, give people money. I mean, all, all kinds of amazing stuff happens on a weekly basis. Do people fall through the cracks? Of course, because we're human and we're not God. But, uh, but that, that was what was going through my head. So Charlie gives money. That's what I took from that. <laughs> so I'm just kidding. Yeah, but I'm, I'm only telling you that because he's leaving. <laughs> and he's going to need all of it now, that's for sure. <laughs> well, you know, it, I I remember when we were talking about it in the car because you guys, I, I thought it was amazing. Both you and Andrew had the same kind of uh, take on it. And that is, you know, this is a guy who's got the wrong impression of church. He believes that the church is there to serve him. The church is there to make him feel good and cater to his needs and all of that type of stuff. And... I, it was probably you that brought up, you know, you've been saved for 50 years. Why aren't you the one leading the charge in that? You know, church isn't about you. It's it's about the community. It's about, you know, the fellowship. And it is about reaching the lost. And, um, and I, I, I that kind of, you know, took me out of my my shame phase. But yet, at the same time, I was still like, you know, I, I certainly could have played at a higher level. I mean... I've shared this on the podcast. I don't mind public speaking. I love public speaking, but I'm an introvert. You know, the, the, some of the tests between an introvert and an extrovert is how do you like to recharge your batteries? So an extrovert loves to be around people. That's how they recharge. An introvert loves to be by themselves. That's how they recharge. And I am 100%. That's me. And so it's always a struggle for me to break out of that when I'm in any kind of public setting. And, um, so, I mean, you know, I, I definitely felt and still feel like, well, I need to be playing at a higher level. Like, you know how we did the the horseshoes when we were in the uh, community center at at Bixby park. And finally, I just told you, look, I can't do this, man. I'm not good leading this small group because I basically got to meet people every week and it's, it's killing me. (laughs) Like, (laughs) you know, it's funny because I, I, I can meet people like, it's part of the apostolic wiring, but I tell you what, like I'm, I'm staying in the Ronald McDonald house, right. In, in, in Minneapolis right now, and we're adopting this baby. And I've been up two mornings in a row at four 30, which on California time is two 30 and I'm not getting to bed till late anyways. So this morning someone wanted to talk to me 
And I so felt like Pete Mitchell on a Sunday morning. <laughs> I felt like the whole time she's talking to me, I'm being polite, but I'm feeling like, go away, go away. <laughs> I don't want to talk to you at all. Shut up. And, 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 and it was so true because I'm like holding this teeny baby, feeding it, you know, and, uh, and she's trying to talk to me about all this stuff. And I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> and, uh, but, you know, it, it's funny because I think that's one of the, the, the greatest ministry insights about this whole thing is like Steve Timmis, for example, he's a total introvert. And uh, we had New Breed, a, a guy who was going to be planning a church um, out of Pillar and uh, over in the UK. And I was meeting with Steve and I said, Steve, I got a guy. Um, he's an introvert. And I'm concerned because, you know, th- this seems to be an extrovert's game. And he said, no, he said, doesn't really matter. He goes, I'm an introvert. And those of you that know Steve Timmis, um, he's the uh, head of Acts 29 Western Europe and author of uh, Total Church, um, really the pioneer of house, house church movement. Um, whereas in America, they're just getting started with that. Uh, Steve and the gang uh, started their movement um, up in Sheffield, uh, Crowded House Ministries like 30 years ago. Um, maybe more than that now. And, uh, and, and so he just said, you know, I'm an introvert, but I just have people around me who aren't. And I'm, I'm sure somewhere, Pete, in the, in, the, in the makeup of how God puts people together, they both serve a valuable purpose because he, he created our temperaments. But I, I think another thing is that um, most people in ministry, if we're honest, we hate people. Um, I, I, it, it's true. I, I once heard a pastor, his name was Romaine and, uh, he was Chuck Smith at Calvary Chapel's right hand guy. And he was like a grumpy drill instructor. Um, whereas Chuck was just oozing love and everyone was like, Oh, that's like totally the, the after effects of revival and the Holy spirit dripping off the guy. Romaine was just like, shut up. You're an idiot. You know, and he would say it, he would just talk like that. But he would he would talk like him, you know. He would talk to himself like he was nothing. He'd tell you all of his faults. He was very frank, um, old marine, uh, you know, kind of crusty old veteran, and uh, just a no nonsense guy. He was like the Ralph Cramden of of Christian ministers, and I, I you know, I I just remember him saying once he was a union pastor, you know, nine to five, you know, and and he says, why is it always that the ugly people come at ten to five? on a Friday night. He goes, you know who the ugly people are. He'd be like, Oh, pastor, you know, my, 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 my wife doesn't love me. And he just, he just said, I just wanted to say, shut up. You're an idiot. Go read your Bible. <laughs> he doesn't have that shepherd then. <laughs> no, he's de- definitely not the shepherd. He, he's, he's the Pete all. Mitchell pastor. I like it. <laughs> exactly. But, but you know, that's how I feel. Like I, I relate so much to Romaine because in the natural, um, I just, I just, I hate people. It's a big, big weird thing with me. Is I got a lot of anger. I got short man syndrome. We've we've talked about that a little bit. But you know, I grew up in a very angry uh, house, a lot of violence, um, and 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 I, I just developed a dislike for people. And um, when I got saved, a lot of that had to get dealt with, but a lot of it stayed and still there to this day. And I think about the Apostle Paul, right? God calls him as a church planner. He's going to have to be in the marketplace. He's going to have to be around people. That guy was a Pharisee. 
Like Spurgeon said, he was probably more at home among the books and more at sea amongst men. But the reality is the Apostle Paul, um, he talks about this supernatural love that drives him on. And I can just imagine, and I, I know I feel it in Long Beach, where I'll be talking to people that, you know, like most people, you want to recoil from, you know, uh, L.A. or Long Beach or places like cities like that where it's just like a, a cesspool of just sin and vice. And you just think, man, I just just that place is an armpit of humanity. Just leave it alone to stink and sweat by itself. And I sense at times I'm there. I, I don't have enough money in my pockets to give away. You know, I don't have enough time to sit down. Like, I feel like nothing's too much. All of a sudden I get there. And this supernatural love comes through me. And I feel that when I'm ministering. I've learned that I shouldn't be so upset about how much Peyton Jones, the jerk, dislikes people, um, that that actually the Holy Spirit in me loves these people, and he loves them through me. And he caused me to do things. So when I walk away, I'm like, dude, that was not Peyton Jones. Peyton Jones is a butthead, man. That was Jesus loving on that person. There are times I'll be talking to people, and I just feel this love of Jesus coming through me. And I know it's not me. Well, you know, it's, it's interesting. And by the way, for everyone, for everyone, for the one listener we've got, let me, let me rephrase that. Jerry. Um, oh, no, wait, wait. I got a, I got an email uh, this week. His name's not Jerry. Um, <laughs> he was correct. Hey, he refer to Jerry me correct. Up, the way, but there is a guy. <laughs> the, there was a guy who emailed me this week and said, oh, by the way, I listened too. And I said, well, we made up Jerry, so now we'll use your name from now on. <laughs> Jerry doesn't even exist. See, I thought <laughs> now Jerry... We actually do, now we do have one listener. <laughs> I thought I thought it was uh, Jerry, the like uh, worship leader that we, we have at Refuge. I thought maybe that's who you're referring to. No? Yeah, you know what? I, I think it was. No, I think it was yeah. him. Actually. Well, anyway, I was just going to say, Every once in a while, there's a little bit of bad audio on your side, and that's because you are doing this adoption. You're in Minnesota, and we, we've got to like do this crazy Google Hangout recording. I mean, I've got so many cords going every which way, it's ridiculous. So that's just a, a little fair notice there uh, to everyone. But something that I wanted to, to bring up, um, I was listening to uh, another podcast called The Everyday Disciple or Everyday Discipleship Podcast. Uh, it's a relatively new podcast. Um, I don't remember the guy's last name. His first name is Ryan, uh, and, and he does this podcast. I actually haven't heard it in a couple of weeks, so I don't know if he uh, he stopped it or, or what. Which, by the way, um, the average podcast only lasts uh, seven episodes, and then people give up. So we're here on Lucky 7, so if we do one more, we've already bucked the trend and, and beaten the average. Um, but Anyway, uh, listening to this podcast, it was really insightful. He was interviewing, I want to say it was someone else, uh, another pastor on staff with him at his church plant. And the guy said something that I could totally relate to, and that he used to have a lot of problems with certain types of people. You know, there there are some types of people who we don't get along mm-hmm. well with. Yeah, And one of the things that he said that just really... I mean, I, I can't get this thought out of my head at all. I can't get this thought out of my head, so I'll, I'll share it. He said, until I realized, yeah, but they're made in the image of God. And so when I say I don't like certain types of people, it's like I'm saying I don't like certain parts of God. I don't like certain aspects of God because that person is still made in the image of God. And God is so great 
that there's no one human that could display all of God's image, you know, other than Jesus Christ, because he was God. Right. And, um, so when we, and so he goes, I've I've become very cautious about when I say I don't like certain types or I don't like certain people. And I got to tell you, man, that like kneecapped me when I heard that, because I've always dealt with, uh, and, and Jamie will tell you this, man, when we first started dating, she would say, you know, there are some people who you just don't like. And, you know, when someone's on your bad list, they're totally on your bad list. Like they don't, they don't get on your good list. <laughs> and, and it's true. <laughs> it's like when I write someone off, I'm like, all right, you're dead to me, man. You, you crossed me. That's it. You know, I'm not going to go out of my way to be mean to you, but I'm not going to go out of my way to ever talk to you again for as long as we live. You know, it's like, and, and so one of my friends, um, he and I have had an on again, off again friendship and, and his personality is one that, that just grates on me. <laughs> and even though he's been a best friend, right? I mean, there, there were, you know, whole years of my life when, I mean, I, I'd go out for my, my weekly, uh, burger and a beer over at islands and it would be like, Hey dude, it's Thursday. You want to go? Sure. You know, we'd, we'd go. And, um, and I was, it was, I was, I was joking with Jamie and it was, it was after I heard this guy's podcast and I'm like, oh man, you know what? Even though he totally grates on me and it's his personality, it's totally his personality type. And I'm like, yeah, but he's made in the image of God. And so when yeah. I'm sitting there going, the guy's a jerk, the guy's this, that, and the next, I'm like, you know, I got to check that. And so I was joking with mm-hmm. Jamie. I go. I go, you know what? I I gotta I gotta forgive Mike, and she starts laughing. She goes, "You think?" <laughs> and it was like, <laughs> uh, okay, so you know, maybe that's just taking me a little bit longer to to learn that lesson. But um, I I don't know what got me started on that subject. Something about no, that's awesome, dude. That's awesome because I think you know that's like a living example where like theology you know meets practice. And and that's it, man. That's that's like the epistles. That's what you find. It's just cool, man, because God uses all of us with all these idiosyncrasies, with all of our uh, incompleteness, our our flawedness, and He still uses us. And so, you know, there's guys out there as church planners going, man, there is hope for me because hey, Peyton and Pete are pretty screwed up, man. And, <laughs> Especially uh, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to say that, you know, I, I, I was thinking, this, here's what happens. Either, either it just becomes the Peyton church planner podcast because Pete's so screwed up or it becomes the Pete church planner podcast. Cause I became one of those guys that was too irritating to Pete. So, you know, <laughs> you'll know one of those two things happen. And one of us drops off this podcast. I'm sure that's but, not the uh, case, little buddy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, scrappy news kicking in now. You know, another thing along those lines is uh, I I was talking with my my folks were over a few months ago. I don't know why they were down. They usually only my my folks are in San Francisco. We're in L.A. They usually come down when someone dies. I mean, that's that's what brings them down. Right. So um, so they were over at my house and I was I was making some crack and I was telling them, I go, yeah, you know, I, I don't like praise music like. I can't stand praise music. The thing that most people are like, oh, you know, I love that church because the worship is so great. And I'm like, dude, it's like nails on a chalkboard to me. 
And and I said this one time to Jamie, I'm like, no one listens to this stuff any other time than Sunday morning. That's the only time someone would listen to this. And she goes, I listen to it. And I'm like, oh, that's yeah. right. You're one of the people that actually does listen to the, the fish <laughs> radio station. I'm like, oh, okay. Um, and it was funny because I, I'm saying this to my mom and my dad. My mom and my dad, you know, we've got this weird dynamic relationship, as, as most sons and their parents do, right? And it's, please don't misunderstand me. It's not that I don't love my parents. It's, that's not the case at all. I do, you know. But but it's just, you know, it's the typical I, I'm an adult. They still see you as a kid kind of a, you know, family dynamic. Yeah. Sure. And so uh, – and my mom, as soon as I said, you know, and Jamie said that she listens to that, my mom was like, oh, good, because I listen to it too. <laughs> and I, I said <laughs> – I go, yeah, but you know what? I, I realize though it church isn't about me. Like it's not about please and Pete. And, uh, you know, you look back at uh, some years ago they used to say, and I don't know if they still do, but the the number one cause of church splits is a change in music. And I don't know if that's still the case. Um, But, you know, I remember growing up and it was hymnals. That's what you sang out of was hymnals. And I absolutely cannot stand hymnals. I mean, like – that would be worse than nails on a chalkboard. I, I probably couldn't go to that church if it was if it was hymnals because it's just so not something I enjoy. Sure, but at the same time, church isn't about me, you know. And and first of all, I'm saved, right? So yeah. I'm going to get plenty out of the church just by being around other Christians and having that fellowship. But yeah. if having whatever that music is now, if if having hymn music is what would bring in the lost. I'm sure I would suck it up and take it, but I'm not you know, in Florida. It's, it's so, so, you know, it's so funny that you're saying that because I, when I went to Lloyd Jones's church, they played pipe organ and had, you know, sung out of hymnals. And yet the preaching was fantastic. And the people there were amazing. And, and I weighed it up, you know, they, they brought me on board as uh, the evangelist and I had to weigh that, you know, and there, there was, there was a lot of tension in the church over the need to change and this and that. But you weigh these things, and I think, you know, kind of like how in Church Zero I talk about the different roles, um, the, the, a lot of the teachers uh, in the body of Christ have moved and gravitated towards the reform side. And so it's like this give and take. You know, you're going to have uh, contemporary dynamic worship in the Pentecostal circles that are being led more by prophet leaders um, on that spectrum that Paul gives in, in Ephesians 4. And, you know, and it, it, you're going to there, there's stuff that just goes along with certain things. And so there's give and take. Um, but but I think you, you brought it down exactly to where it's at. What it always ought to come back to is not these minor things, but the major things is God glorified and are the reach are the lost getting reached because because that's what it takes. That's the mindset that it takes for your people. If you're a church planner, that's the mindset it takes is that you're going to have to disciple everybody coming in on your core team. That, hey, bub, it ain't about you. Um, I love how Rick Warren starts his book off. It's not about you. And that that hits the bestseller list because deep down inside, people know that. Well, when you're forming a core team, and this will be a future podcast, um, that is one of the major, major things that you have to constantly hit at. It's just disappointing to me that a guy went 50 years in a church and even boasts about it. Hey, I've been around for 50 years. It's kind of like some leverage that he's got against us, some expertise, if you will, to tell us why we suck. And the reality is that he indicted himself. 50 years on, 
and you've not grown up in Christ, you've merely grown older in Christ. In other words, you don't have the maturity. 50 years as a believer, man, you ought to show up at any church ready to serve with your arms and your sleeves rolled up um, saying, hey, where do I get to work? 50 years on, man, join in, you know, jump into the game and uh, get your game on. Don't don't uh, stand on the sidelines and throw popcorn and peanuts at us. So, you know, that's kind of the deal. And, and every church planner will need to disciple his people that way so that they do not change the agenda. And I like, you know, uh, going on to the next part. Oh, by the way, our extra listener is Joey. Um, he's in Germany. Joey Roper. Oh, okay. so, uh, he's, he's the guy yeah, from so, Germany so, that I see the downloads from. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Joey. He's, so he's our other listener. Hey, real quick, before we go on to Michael Cheshire, because I want to I talk about something that he posted that was amazing, um, Let's, um, which is on this topic. Uh, tell, tell me about the, the downloading of um, – <laughs> tell me about I, – I, I heard it, but I don't retain Jack. But tell, tell the listeners about what's the exciting thing about the Spend Havilland Church Planner magazine worldwide. Well, I'm not sure exactly what you're specifically referencing, but I will say this. All the different countries. Well, all the different countries. Yeah, it's crazy. I haven't looked at it in a while, but the number one most downloaded country outside of the United States is uh, China, of all places, for Church Planner magazine. Um it's not that way for the podcast. I don't know what it is for the podcast. It's been so long since I've looked at that because we have a lot more downloads of the podcast just because it's got you know an extra four weeks on the magazine. Sure. But um, I think that uh, it's, it's really cool to me to see so many people in China downloading the magazine. Yeah, it's awesome. And I don't know if it's because of uh, the underground church in China. I don't know if it's... Um, a lot of programmers are based out of China, so it could be, you know, they're trying to look at the programming behind the app or something like that, and I, I don't know. I have no yeah. idea what it is. Who knows with China, man? There's so many people. I know that the, uh, the the number of people downloading the podcast is really probably just Joey downloading on his laptop, uh, <laughs> on his iPhone, on his iPad, and uh, that's the reason for our, our And we number. count every one of those as a single person. <laughs> yes. Thank you, Joey, for keeping us alive. No, I'm teasing. We, it, 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 you know, obviously people are figuring out where that's just a, a longstanding joke with us. But um, a guy who has really been getting my respect is Michael Cheshire. Now, I read his book because I got it free uh, off Kindle, uh, How to Knock Over 7-Eleven. I would pay money for that book. That was a crazy good book. Well, it's a good thing planning. that you said that because you can actually buy it now on Kindle for nine ninety nine. So absolutely, and uh, there's been a lot of cross promotion. Funny enough, so uh, Michael's also been shouting out about us, which is kind of cool. But I just have a lot of respect for him. It 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 takes a lot for me um, with some of the weird passions I have about church planning. You know, starting small, growing big. Um, sending out blah blah blah. You know, I'm I'm always a proponent of of starting small. Whether you grow big, if you grow big, then you send out. Mike Mike is a guy who has managed to be able to stay on the cutting edge despite his size. And it's it's more a mindset, it's more a passion and a hunger to impact. And he had a, a new book come out called Why We Eat Our Own, and that is now available. You can get that. I'm, Mike doesn't pay me to do this, but I, I just saw something that he posted on Facebook, and I loved uh, his candor. I loved his boldness in this because 
<clears throat> a, a famous guy once said to me, um, he's, he's famous in the UK, a guy named Stuart Elliott, known, known within reform circles, but he said, uh, you know, God, church planters are usually bullheaded men. And, um, and, and then uh, unfortunately he looked at me and said, you make a great church planter, Peyton. <laughs> and, 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 and so I kind of took it as like a compliment, but an insult, which the British are amazing at doing, um, you know, backhanded compliments. They, they are silver tongued, but, uh, but, but Stuart's a great guy. And he, he made that comment. And I, I think it's true. You have to be bullheaded. You have to know the direction you're going. You have to charge. You have to be able to just not be deterred. Like it says about Jesus, um, he set his face like flint. Um, and he, he kept saying, I must go to Jerusalem. I must suffer. Jesus knew where he was going. There are the, the, the musts of the Gospel of Mark, where Mark, every time he records Jesus saying something about his mission, there's this divine must. And so the church planner gets this, this must, this, not, not musk, Pete, not, not what you have after you haven't showered, nice. which is not divine at all. It's most unholy. But, uh, but this divine must that, uh, you know, that, that, that you just sense what you have to do. Nehemiah had it. Daniel had it. These guys that just, Daniel knew he had to not touch any of the delicacies of, of the kingdom of Babylon. Um, Nehemiah knew that he had to go to Jerusalem and inspect the walls and rebuild it. There, there's this div- divine necessity that's laid upon you as a preacher sometimes, as a church planner. And no one can explain it, but you know what you're called to do. And so that's why we're talking about um, not being derailed or sidetracked. And I love what Michael Cheshire, part of, of Michael's brilliance is just that he is who he is. He's Michael Cheshire. And when you read that book, How to Knock Over a 7-Eleven and other ministry training, you just see a guy who's got a great sense of humor. He's a bit tongue-in-cheek about ministry. I definitely relate to that. I've told people repeatedly over the years that, the biggest joke, the long-standing joke of my life is that God can use me. And so I usually got a smirk on my face when I'm doing ministry. No, no joke about it. I'm usually smirking about something. And part of that's just the fact that, hey, this is, this is just hilarious to me that God's using me. Well, Mike posted this on Facebook on July 20th, and I just love the way he handled it. It shows a bit of a bullheadedness, but a guy who knows what he's called to do, knows how God's called him to do it, and this is what he wrote. It's a bit long, so buckle your seatbelt. He says, he references, and then he writes a letter. He says, I made a joke about drug use in a One Direction concert, and it apparently opened a door for many to lecture me. Um, I think it was something to do with the original joke was, my daughter's asking me to go to a One Direction concert. Why can't she be into drugs like a normal teenager? In other words, uh, he really did not want to go to this One Direction concert. So I guess the convers- the comment was very controversial. So he says, not really knowing me. Um, he says, okay, so it apparently opened a door for me to lecture me, not really knowing me. Okay, enough already. You got my attention. Now allow me to answer you. I've had to ban 17 people already and delete comments because they just got evil and use the scripture to back it up. You want correction and truth? I can play. So he puts, allow me to give you a little Michael manifesto. <laughs> okay. You know where that's going, right? So he says, uh, and this is a guy who's a very gifted writer. He says, saying I don't care about the effects of drug use is just unfair and shows you don't know me at all. I've had two horrible stories that involve drugs. Uh, someone just, get off my phone. I hate this new Facebook message thing. Someone just message interrupted you. me. Yeah. You know, like when you're on Facebook? 
Yeah. Yes, message me. Yeah. yeah. And so this little circle comes up. Hey, I'm doing a podcast. Back off, pal. So, okay. So it says, I have two horrible stories that involve drugs and people I love dearly that ended with me doing their funerals. I also was a drug and substance abuse counselor of a state agency for five years. I have been, which is funny because I was a psych nurse. He was a firefighter. I was a firefighter, psych nurse. He's done that. It's funny. There's a lot of overlap. So maybe except, we're both except he's taller. So, you know, whatever. He's big, dude. He could be Haas and I could be Little Joe. <laughs> he probably could. I've only seen the picture, so. Yeah, but he doesn't have a deep voice, though. Oh, okay. I think my voice is deeper than his, so I'd be like, hey, little buddy. Or I'd call him big buddy. I'd have the Haas voice. He'd <laughs> you have call him anyways. tiny. You know, the, anyway. Go <laughs> you know, if Michael listens to this, he's going to pound me next time. Anyways, I have been well away of the, well away, oh, typo. All right. Well aware of the effects of drugs and more on the front lines, and of the effects of this, many of you hold me suspect for my comments. How do you know one of my kids doesn't have this battle as well? You see, you don't, so you don't assume. Look, if you want to compare compassion about a subject, then you need to understand I come with a pretty long resume in that area alone. If you want to be offended, then you will be no matter what is said. Grow up, Peter Pan. The world is not a nice place, and humor is healing. You know, that's so funny, man, because when I was a firefighter, when I was a nurse, those guys have wicked senses of humor because they're dealing with like life and death, black things all the time. And you just, you, you just develop a very black sense of humor to deal with that kind of stuff. But he goes on, he says, and you're not a humor judge. Our actions will define us in life. Now let us understand humor for a minute because some of you Christians seem to think that you can't have it in your life unless it's as neutral as a Lucille Ball special. Humor is how many of us make sense of a really tragic and dark world. If you think I'm a bad person because of it, then please just unfollow me and move on with your life. My humor is not going away no matter how many scriptures I'm pointing to the finger you do. Critical people who desire to correct and steer my comments need to understand they're exposing themselves as a person with little ability to learn or laugh as well. And people who use scriptures as missiles to be controlling are, in many people's eyes, the issue with why many Christians are leaving the church altogether. For the record, mean comments don't affect me at all, not one little bit. I just remove them, laugh, and ban really mean-spirited people. It's funny how many of us think we know the heart of others from just a few postings. It's fine to disagree, but maybe spend some more time pressing your imaginary dislike button and think things through from all sides. And don't get ticked off when your comments are moved. Just because your comment on this site doesn't is on this site doesn't mean it'll stay up. You're entitled to your opinion, but not always on my Facebook page. If you disagree with me and want your comment to stay up, then you have to play nice. Maybe try to understand that many people with humor have had the worst experiences imaginably in life. Watch some documentaries on comedians. You might be surprised at the level of their pain. I personally spent years as a professional firefighter and had to deal with things I can still see in my head and feel in my heart. It was only my God-given gift of humor that helped me not become an alcoholic or drug addict of some sort. I almost went into comedy writing full-time because I found I did well at it and the doors opened. But instead, I felt called by God to take my gifts and serve as a pastor, leader, writer, uh, speaker, and humorist in the body of Christ. I may never be high on the Christian radar as other leaders. I may be a polarizing person because of my stance on certain issues or my edgy humor, but I will be me to the end. I will say things wrong sometimes. I'll act like a jerk sometimes. And often, I can't stop laughing in places I shouldn't laugh. Like every one of us, I'm a walking contradiction. I have tattoos. I won't let my kids get them right now. 
I've made decisions that hurt people close to me. I've done very self-sacrificing things. I've been a bully and a hero, sometimes both within the same hour. I've had unbelievable victories and horrible defeats. I've hurt people with my words and encourage others with the same mouth. I have lived long enough to understand that only people who have had failures in life really understand friendship. I'm unafraid of rejection, and I'm willing to be persuaded to change my mind. To sum up, I'm a member of the human race, an adopted child of God with a lot of scars and a lot of history. But I am more than the judgments of strangers, and until I die, I will be performing my best me each and every day from sunup to sundown for my family, friends, church critics, and most importantly, God. If you don't want to attend that, then the exit's here. But if you're staying around, welcome to my world. Hmm. And I just thought that that really was a strong uh, statement from a leader who knows where he's going, has done extraordinary things because of that. And so for church planners, you know, it, it's important they do have a bit of that bullheadedness. Paul had it. Paul was able to stand up. You know, it says that he confronted Peter right to his face because of hypocrisy. And, and so, you know, when you come into church planning, you are going to have battles. And you are going to sometimes have to, to not be a jerk about it. Like, I think if you walk around with bravado and short man syndrome, you need to be whacked down a bit. You know, we're, we're joking about short man syndrome. Um, but, but really, if, if you're walking around like that as, as a pastor, just thinking, yeah, you know, I need to whack people, not cool. But in a church planning situation, you will have people that will try to change the direction of your church. And you are going to have to whack them. Um, Never forget that uh, going to a, a, a conference, um, oh, what's his name, uh, Truth for Life, Alistair Begg. He was meeting with a bunch of pastors, and someone said, how do you handle criticism? And he said, well, he said, I, there's a lot of good stuff about how to handle criticism and this and that. But he goes, but I hear in my ministry so much with the radio broadcast and so much in my church and this and that. And he said, and I've learned over the years, and I always tell young ministers this, that when Mrs. Jones comes up uh, criticizing you about the music or trivial things, not important things, not things you should really take to heart, but he said really trivial things and is really upset. Um, he said, I, I picture people like that, kind of like a little dog that jumps up at your knees and he said, and I've learned to roll up the newspaper and just whack him on the nose. <laughs> he said, because, and, and always the first time. He said, because if a dog jumps up on your legs and you don't whack them, um, they just keep doing it. And he said, so I've just learned with trivial things like that, that's what I do. And, uh, you know, and, and of course, yeah, I was just going go to say that in, in this next uh, issue of Church Planner Magazine that we're Putting the final touches on right now, uh, Mark Convoy has just a, a phenomenal article in there that speaks right to the heart of this. And um, yeah. one of the things that I thought was such a great takeaway, you you might even remember who he was uh, talking to, another pastor, gave him some counseling on basically how to deal with with uh, criticisms and the, I think you should do this in church, or I think it should look this way, or it should look that way. And the comment that that uh, Mark received or the, the advice that Mark received was, you know, the people who I listen to the most are the ones that are actually setting up chairs and taking down chairs. You know, basically the people who are actually doing stuff. Otherwise, it's usually just people who don't want to do anything and they're just telling you what you should do. And that doesn't make any sense. I mean, in uh, in business, running 
basically what are considered all volunteer uh, sales forces. Because when you're straight commission, it's basically volunteer. Every day you wake up, you're unemployed. If you're in real estate, if you're in financial planning, insurance, um, which uh, you know I ran a, I still do run an insurance company and a financial planning company. Everyone's unemployed every day. You got to get up and you got to go out there and get a new sale or you don't make any money. <laughs> and people always want to tell you how you should spend your money. I think you should do this for your marketing. I think you should do that for your marketing. But they're not willing to spend their own money for their own business. And it's like those are the guys I don't listen to. I mean, I don't let yeah. anyone tell me how to spend my money. I don't, I don't care what you think I should do. You're not spending any of yours, but the guys who actually have something on the line, you know, and, and that's essentially what the guy was saying to Mark is that listen to the guys who are actually doing something. Otherwise, yeah, they'll always you know, be talking to you. Yeah. And it's so funny because Mark is one of those guys. Um, Mark is a church planner. I'm, I, I know Mark very well um, uh, over, over the years, but uh, he is he has an uncanny gift of wisdom, and that is that is such you don't often hear people say that that that's who i listen to and he's a church planner you know i remember something very similar in wales uh i was i was uh in a church plant the lord was really moving he was saving people i mean we had some incredible uh situations where people were getting saved and i remember we had a lot of young believer new believers and um and they were college students and not not quite at the emotional maturity they could have been. And so they're a bit vulnerable to stuff like this. Because like I said, it does tend to demoralize people. Um, it it you know, it 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 gets discouraging, you know, when when you have these situations where somebody's real critical, kind of like that letter I got. But what had happened was I was running a little bit late that Sunday. And normally, you know, we haven't talked about this. We'll talk about it more. But uh, when the church plant started, even now, I, I probably get there a good hour before. Um, I live about an hour away, so <clears throat> and have have a daughter, um, so I don't always get there that early. But but by and large, most of the time I do. And um, you know, the, this particular time, I was there a little bit later. Might have been the sermon, whatever. But I got there, and everyone was really sad. And there was a lot of setup. This was Pillar. This is the one that we started out at Starbucks. And we were meeting in this amazing community center. We had to set up all the tables and chairs and sound. And everything had to be dragged out. Stuff was coming out of trailers. Stuff was coming out of storage rooms. Um, coffee was getting set up. And this lady had um, come in. She had sat there, probably like the guy who wrote the letter that we kicked off with today. And she had just watched everybody. And as soon as uh, the service was getting ready to start off, she stood up, she looked at the people next to her and said, I have sat here for 25 minutes and not one person has said hello to me. And she huffed out. Hmm. I got there and I said, what, what's going on, guys? You, you OK? And, uh, you know, it's about maybe five, 10 minutes out from start time. And uh, and, and and they said, uh Oh, yeah. And they told me the situation. I said, you know what? Can you gather everybody that was here in the room? Because I just I can feel it, man. I walked in this place and you guys are so sad because they, they really took it to heart. Like it. They were like they weren't even sad for that. They were sad for her. Hmm. And they all gathered around. And I, 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 I said, look, guys, I said, uh, did anyone know that woman? And someone said, oh, yeah, she's a Christian over or something. And I said, OK, that's a game changer. We're not talking about a lost person because lost, lost people don't get pissed off at stuff like that. Right. Oddly. It's right. only Christians who get pissed off like that. So I said, so here's, here's the deal. 
I said, first off, let me just let me just play Lieutenant Colombo here and ask you some questions. So what were you guys doing when this happened? They're like, well, we, we were setting up, you know, and one of them said, I, I guess we should have paid more attention to her. I said, wait a second, you, you were setting up. I said, I, I, I'm here during setup. I said, were you guys like working your butt off, getting the room ready? And they go, yeah. <laughs> I go, were you guys sweating? They're like, yeah. And, and again, that shepherd bone kicked in and I said, you know, bless your guys' hearts. Don't you feel better at all? You mean, okay, the, the woman indicted herself. What she said was, I sat here 25 minutes. So what you mean to tell me, she sat here watching you sweat and huff and puff and bust your butt so that she'd have a place to sit, she'd have coffee to drink, she could hear the sermon and worship. And you mean to tell me she sat there and watched you for 25 minutes and judged you and huffed out? Hmm. I said, I hope she never comes back. Hmm. And they all just went, Huh. <laughs> I said, people like that don't make it in a church plan because it's all about them. And so, you know, it, it, it just coming full circle. <clears throat> I'm going to have to go because a social worker is coming to see if I'm a suitable parent. That's uh, <laughs> so I got to go and prepare for that. <laughs> <laughs> you can't fix it in three minutes, man. You can't fix it in three minutes. <laughs> But, uh, but you know, it, 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 the whole thing, Pete, you just hit the nail on the head in the beginning. You know, every, everything, I've been amazed at, at today's uh, topic because, uh, guys, church planning, you know, I'm, I'm amazed how much it's tied together and how it's it, – this is one of those podcasts where it just seems like every sentence has just tied back in. It doesn't matter what I'm saying, what you're saying, that uh, there's a message here. And I, I hope our church planners get it. And that is that uh, you've got to know what God's called you to do. Don't be distracted when people take aim and snipe at you. Um, don't, you know, realize you're going to always feel like the idiot when this stuff happens, like you miss something, kind of like that group, room full of people. I remember hearing a story. I can't remember if it was Spurgeon or someone else, but he basically, in closing, he said this. He said that every week you would get to the pulpit, and I'm pretty sure Spurgeon told this story. He would get to the pulpit, and there would be the criticisms from the week before, but no signature. Hmm. And this went on, you know, week after week. And uh, Spurgeon said, you know, hey, I could learn from it. You know, it was great. You know, some, sometimes he was right. And, uh, and then one, one week, there was a, a card, um, the same card, uh, and, and it obviously wasn't from the person. It, it was someone else had stuck it up there. I think it was like a card. Um, telling him, you know, someone who need a baby need to be baptized or something. But, of course, having the wicked sense of humor he did, he announced to the church, he said, you know, week by week I've, I've come up here and I found uh, notes with, with no signature. Uh, oh, no, 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 sorry, sorry, no. I've told it completely wrong. It didn't have the name. Oh, I blew my own story. But, he, okay, he gets up to the pulpit and it actually it says uh, idiot on it. And, and that's all it says is idiot on the card. And uh, so he gets up there and he goes, hey, every week um, I get up here and there's a note, but no signature. He goes, this is the first week that someone actually signed it, but left no note. <laughs> nice. I like it. I like it. And, you know, and, and that's just kind of the, the, the spirit off nature. You have to be able to laugh at yourself and you have to be able to laugh at other people because people are going to disappoint you and they're going to be like this and you're going to let people down and it's best to let people know that in the beginning and then to refocus them and say, Hey guys, 
We're not here to be the perfect church. Jesus did not call us to do it. He called us here to reach a loss, and we're going to fail miserably. And if you got this, that, that, and that, and we'll talk about this more in a future uh, podcast, um, you know, that, that this is your agenda. Well, that's not our agenda. Our agenda is to glorify God and reach people, and that's it. And it just keeps it simple, and it keeps your people focused on the right thing. And it also gives you permission when people get off base and start focusing, majoring on minors, focusing on the wrong thing, gives you permission to say, hey, man, we're not here to do that. And, uh, yeah, so that's me out, man. So, anyways, thanks for uh, joining us on the podcast today. Pete, do you got any final thoughts today? Yeah, I'll just say um, one quick thing. We just uh, released this week. Church Planner Magazine is now available on your iPhone, not just the iPad. So, yeah, and if you had it on your iPad – you can still download it on your iPhone, and when you click the subscribe button, just hit restore, and it restores your uh, subscription from the iPad on your iPhone. But uh, but yeah, now if you got an iPhone, you can get the magazine there as well. Right on, man. Excellent. Well, guys, thanks for tuning in, and we'll look forward to talking to you next week. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com.